Curriculum Associates presents Extraordinary Educators with hosts Sari Labaris and Danielle Sullivan. Get ready to hear tips, best practices, and success stories to improve your teaching, leadership, and drive student learning. We're here for you. Hello, and welcome to the Extraordinary Educator Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Sari. And this week, we are thrilled to be joined by Extraordinary Educator Amanda in California. Amanda is truly extraordinary. As a former special ed teacher myself, I mean, she has such a great way of approaching her students and building relationships with them and advocating for them. And the best practices she shares are pretty universal, which I loved. Right, right. Everything that she does with her students, every teacher can can do with their students. And she has such a great way of incorporating life skills into her classroom too, that are not only, you know, just going to help their kids pass X test, but really succeed outside of the classroom and making her classroom just a place that they want to be. So we can't wait for you to listen. Here it is. Welcome, Amanda. It's so great to see you. And we are thrilled to have you on the podcast. So if you don't mind to start off, if you can just introduce yourself to our listeners, please, that would be great. Hi, everyone. My name is Amanda Kipnis, and I live in San Diego, California, and I teach a special day class for students with moderate to severe disabilities in third through fifth grade in Lemon Grove, California. Well, we are so excited to have you on the podcast, and it was so great to meet you in person this summer. Well, I just I wanted you to just tell us a little bit about your life and a little bit about what you're doing, because um, it's very unique. You have a very unique position and a unique perspective on supporting the students that you work with. So just go ahead and just talk to us about what you do. Oh, gosh, what I do. I'm one of those people, like every other teacher that wears a million hats. Um, I mostly have a classroom right now with students with autism, but we also have a student with Down syndrome, one with cerebral palsy, one with traumatic brain injury. Um, most of my kids also have speech and language impairments, learning disabilities, cognitive impairments, some have physical or orthopedic impairments. So we've kind of got a functional life skills class going on this year. So we're, we're a pretty colorful bouquet, if you can put it that way. That sounds actually, that's a beautiful way to put it. So what, what are some strategies that you use to support such a diverse group of students, like even management strategies, academic strategies um, to help your, and how do you build relationships with students that have a diverse range of abilities coming to you? Um, lots of questions there. I think you don't build academic or give them academic demands until you build those relationships. Today's our 21st day of school, and we're just getting into slowly increasing those academic demands because we're still pairing ourselves as reinforcers. We're making our classroom a place that they want to be. So when you get those students that like to leave, like to elope, you want your classroom to be more motivating than the outside. Um, at my level of students, we have to divide and conquer. So we differentiate based on usually their IEP goals, which are based on their cognitive abilities. And we definitely use a lot of online curricula just because I don't know these kids they don't like to write a lot of them don't like to read but you put a computer in front of them and you're going to see their genius come out even if they're nonverbal, they're going to show you what they've got and so we use a lot of iReady we use ST Math Smarty Ants Starfall I mean any dancing mat typing website I can put in front of them it helps me divide and conquer and further differentiate the needs of the rest of the students that I am working with. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you said something that kind of struck me, which is make the classroom 
kind of more preferable than the outside world. Um, I think every teacher uh, or or leader in, of some group would kind of wish that for their community that they're building, right? No matter who they're teaching, no matter who their team is. I would love to hear some tactical ways that you do that. If I'm listening and I want to do, you know, start doing that more in my classroom tomorrow, what are some of the things that you do to, to make that happen? It starts with getting to know the students' families, especially because my kids are nonverbal. They might have a passion that I'm never going to know about in a classroom setting. And so day one, I send a pretty lengthy interview that my students' parents probably hate me for. I've got it in several different languages. And it talks about everything from can their student request to go to the bathroom to what are their favorite TV shows, their characters? What do they do in their free time? How does your family spend time together? What are your hopes and dreams for your child? What are the most challenging aspects of raising your child. And it always fascinates me what they come back and there's sides of my kids that I never would have seen. So now if you tell me this student who's never paid attention to a book in my classroom loves Dogman, I'm gonna make sure I talk to the librarian and get some Dogman books in our classroom. We're gonna do a Dogman theme you know, song on Go Noodle or YouTube, something to get him engaged. And when you get their interest in, it's unbelievable the amount of language I'm able to get out of my kiddos. And what I love what you just said is just really good best practices. I mean, it's it's nice that you're sending a, a questionnaire home for families. And I know that we've talked a lot on this podcast, even about a, a student questionnaire, but using that to help inspire and motivate students, that can go such a long way. I mean, you're doing it with students that are nonverbal, but educators who are listening, <clears throat> nonverbal, verbal, like that's just really good best practices of building relationships. And I also love that you shared a parent questionnaire. Like that doesn't have to be, I mean, I know that you need, you said something, what, how do you spend time as a family? I haven't heard that question before. What are some of the responses that you got that you're, that are really interesting that help you as a teacher be able to get to know students a little bit more? Oh my gosh. Um, You know, what surprises me my family spent a lot of time reading together. Sports were a big part of my family. I don't think in 18 years I've gotten reading or playing sports as an answer for the demographics I work with. I've gotten the typical San Diego and, you know, going to the beach. We have a lot of Hispanic and Somali families. And so I get that cultural piece of big families, the celebrations, going to Mexico on the weekends or with their family. Um, I've been invited to quite a few first communions, baptisms, weddings, um, weddings number two and three. Um, A lot of my families like to cook and like to dance together. And I am a terrible cook. I can microwave a lean cuisine and that's about the extent of my culinary prowess. But okay, that's you guys. How can I relate to you and tell me more? And maybe we write a cooking goal for the occupational therapist then for that student because that's a lot more important for that family than maybe them writing their name. I've had a student, a mom tell me that they're Mexican. Every other day, they've got a baby shower, a wedding, a birthday, something, and she wants her kid to write his name. He was 12. Usually by the time you're 12, we might move forward to typing. But for this family, when she said they're signing Hallmark cards, school bell, writing his name was important to that family. That makes sense for me to write that IEP goal now where normally I would not have done that for another family. So it just comes with getting to know them. And since my students can't answer those student preference questions, I have to rely on that good parent communication. Yeah. And then it's a win-win because you're building those relationships with the families too. And I'm sure it's so appreciated. Yeah. So it makes my job easier. 
Yeah, that's so great, right? That cycle. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, we are going to switch gears a bit to a segment called Ask an Extraordinary Educator. Amanda, where folks write in and ask a question. Um, so are you ready for your question? I hope so. <laughs> All right, here it is. <laughs> Dear Extraordinary Educator Podcast, loving the podcast and interviews with teachers and leaders. I have a question for Ask an Extraordinary Educator. I'm a special education teacher and want more resources. I'm the only teacher like me at my school, so it's hard to learn from others in this capacity. Is there a place you know I can go to for more resources, books you'd recommend? Where do I start? I want to learn more and continue to grow as a professional myself. Thanks for all you do, a teacher. Ooh. I've definitely got my eye ready lens on. Um, I can focus on that first. Yeah, I sure. Guess. Why not? I don't know how much she has control over getting iReady with her class, but iReady opened up more doors than I really saw coming for my students. We knew it would differentiate within the standards, but what I didn't see coming was my kids now had access to the least restrictive environment that they didn't have access to before. We mainstreamed for PE, library, lunch and recess. Now I had to write amendments for all my kids' IEPs because suddenly it even if you're fifth, uh, maybe five years below grade level, you could still sit in a fifth grade classroom and do I ready. Doesn't matter that you're nonverbal. Doesn't matter that you can't read at a fifth grade level. You've got Plory and Yoop and Snarg and you've got the same characters that every other fifth grader has. And so that opened up a lot of doors for us. Um, my kids felt more part of the community. The teachers took a better interest in getting to know my students. So I loved that. We also really use a lot of reverse peer helpers with our I ready time since they understand I ready. They know how to use it. So we've got several kids with, you know, those red flag kiddos on behavior contracts, and they work really hard for coming into my room. Every teacher feels like they're short-staffed. Getting those peer helpers to help individualize the instruction with my kids and teach some of those iReady skills has really helped me. From the teacher standpoint, use that Common Core report. That is my that is my liquid gold. Like, that is my lifeline. I've used that report for IEP progress reports for, it's been a court document, to be honest. Um, when parents need an objective way to show whether or not their child is making progress, that CCSS report is wonderful because it can show how many check marks they had at the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, the end of the year. And so that I depend on that very heavily. Um, as far as other resources, I'm in a lot of Google groups and Facebook groups. And I think that really helps me. I love the Council for Exceptional Children and I don't know. Give them my number. Well, thank you. That's very generous. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. And we appreciate your time. So unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But Sari, where can where can everyone find us? Yeah, thanks again, Amanda. Such a pleasure. That is it for today's episode. Like Danielle said, you can leave us a review where you listen to podcasts as it really helps us reach more educators like you. Follow us on Twitter at Curriculum Asoch and on Instagram at My iReady. My iReady. If you have feedback about the podcast, a topic of interest, want to be a guest, or have a question you want to submit, email extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. This is about you. We are here for you. So until next time, be you, be true, be extraordinary. The Extraordinary Educators podcast is produced by Curriculum Associates. Editing by Danielle Sullivan, social media by at City Hannon, guest booking by Sari Liberis, music by Mark Bernstein. This podcast is copyrighted material and intellectual property of Curriculum Associates. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CurriculumAssoc and on Instagram at MyIready and send your emails to extraordinaryeducators at cainc.com. 